0: We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully that it is. Hey, Terry. Hello,
1: Bridget. If you listened to last week's episode, number 203, From Breakdown to Breakthrough, you met Shannon or Shanny Pants, as she's known on social media, and heard how the very real and difficult challenges of being a parent and a person during the pandemic brought her depression
0: to the surface in ways that could no longer be ignored. Today, we continue our conversation with Shannon and look at three things that she's doing now that she didn't used to do. Things that are helping her manage her mental health and her life in general. Every time we hear about the tools someone is using to manage and live with their depression, we learn something. Their choices might not work for us for any number of reasons, but there can be comfort found in simply being reminded that there are effective weapons in the battle with depression and that we shouldn't give up looking for some that will work for us. Here now is Shannon joining us again to give her voice to depression. Most, if not all of us, can probably
1: relate to feeling utterly alone in our depression. If and when we do decide to open up about what's going on in our minds and bodies, we often choose to share with only a close friend, family member, doctor, or therapist. Not Shannon. She went from not talking openly about her mental health challenges to posting about them online. And she did it without a lot of forethought. She shared that one of her life challenges is living with depression. The post went viral and was seen and shared across the globe. Her online followers exploded from hundreds to hundreds of thousands.
2: But all of a sudden, I'm given this platform where I can be myself. And you know, it wasn't when I first started, it wasn't 100% authentic because I was just getting into the medication and asking for help and really just starting my healing process. So it's been very exciting. It's like I said, it's been very therapeutic, just talking um, publicly on my different platforms and just kind of sharing about my experiences. And then, like I said, having these people reach out to me, I wasn't even expecting that, but having them reach out and say, oh, thank you so much for talking about that. Like I've been dealing with that. And so my thing is Now and what I like to talk about is, don't go through these things alone, because I went through a lot of different experiences in my life alone, and I did not have support, and I think that just fed the depression and that sense of being very alone. It would be funny if
1: it wasn't so damn sad. The thought of nearly 300 million people across the globe—that number is from the World Health Organization—all with depression all feeling alone in their experience, truly believing that they are uniquely flawed, weak, broken, burdensome, useless, and doomed to feel that way forever because of what is actually a very common and treatable disorder, such is the nature of stigma, a word that can feel academic and sterile, but is in fact very personal and painful when it causes us to isolate Instead of reach out and say, "I am in a really dark place and could use some support,"
2: and that has helped to be able to talk about things like depression, and and put it out there. It's not a secret, you know. It's it's okay, and and it feels good to talk about it. And that's where I'm at now. It's it's like it's it's healing to talk about it, and as a as a normal thing, you know. Like you're not the only person that feels this way. You're
1: not the only person that feels that way, Shannon says. And not everyone feels this way.
2: And that was a big realization for me because I just assumed, like, everyone feels the same as I feel. I just need to buck up and get tough and deal with it. And now realizing, like, okay, not everyone does feel this way. This is something that I need to handle and deal with and not pretend like it's nothing because it definitely is.
1: It definitely is. And even while not everyone feels it, because it may not have depression, even those of us who do feel it so differently. Mm-hmm. And our our own episodes, if that's the word, can um, be so different from one another, right? There are the ones that you can sort of dust it off and right. you know keep it at a simmer so that you can do at least some of the things that you have to do. And then there are times you're just like, yeah, no.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely.
1: And that shift in perspective that acceptance of depression as not nothing led Shannon to the first of the three things she's now doing to better manage her mental health.
2: For me, one of the biggest things that has helped is asking for help and accepting help because I've never been that type of person. I'm i I'll do it all myself and then I take on too much and it stresses me out and then I anxiety and the depression. So I, the last two years, that's been my thing in, in this past year, dealing with some health stuff. I've had to accept help, and um, it's been very humbling. It's been a really good experience for me to realize, like, that's okay. You know, if I need someone to take my kids to school or whatever it might be, um, that's okay. It's okay to ask for help. The fear of being a burden can stop us from reaching out,
1: Shannon says reach out anyway.
2: Don't be afraid to ask for help because, and I don't know if everyone feels exactly like me, but that was really, really hard for me to do. And the experience that I've like of growing over the past couple of years, just opening myself up again, like reaching out to my doctor friends is mind blowing. So it's like, okay, yeah, I should have done that 40 years ago, but whatever. So it's, um, ask for help, ask for help, even if it's hard because it's worth it. And there's people out there that care. You know, I think it's very easy to get in the mindset of no one cares. Everyone has their own issues and it's very easy to go there. So to just know, like people really do care. People do want to help and just putting yourself out there. It's, it's hard because it's a vulnerable thing to do, but ask for help, ask for help. It's, it's very important. Yeah, it is.
1: Especially when depression convinces you either that you don't deserve it, that nobody actually cares enough about you to offer it. Um, And a lot of people actually have that
2: experience where people are like, oh, my God, you know, again, It's it's a tough one. It is. It is. It's so hard. And it is like finding your people.
1: While it may sound like Shannon's making that sound easy, she freely admits that she had to reach a breakdown point before she finally did it. Interestingly, during that really, really hard and vulnerable time, when Shannon was forced to remove her I'm fine mask, she was not shunned as some needy burden. She was embraced and ended up finding her people and making some of the deepest friendship she's ever had.
2: It's good to have like these really close friends that I have now that will reach out to me and say, Hey, you seemed a little off when you were picking so-and-so up today. How are you doing today? You know, want to go for a walk? And just getting me out of that isolation, having friends that are aware of, you know, what kind of my, what my uh, hints are kind of to where I'm going there, and they can kind of help pull me out.
1: And it's not just friends who help pull her out. Since she started being more honest about her struggles, her husband has become more of a support as well.
2: You know, I never used to be even open with him with how I was feeling. And again, I was just like the perfect wife, the tough woman that can handle anything. And I even with him would never want to appear weak like I can do everything. And so even with him now, it's great because he, you know, he'll know just by how I'm acting or I'm better about like I'll text him and say, Hey, I'm having a really rough day. Can you get home a little early and get the kids out of the house? I need more alone time. I can't handle it. And just asking, and he's happy to help, you know, but it's, again, it's been a process. I have never, I, it's and really two years is not very much time to, you know, for me, I feel like now I'm 41, but to to have started that healing process of, of asking for help with all the things so it's been it's been a journey but it's been it's very exciting to me very exciting to to be in a healthier place um, because I haven't been for so many years.
1: Shannon's journey also involves a shift in how she sees therapy. Before COVID she scheduled appointments on more of an emergency basis when she was in her words falling apart over something.
2: Now, I'm to the place, you know, financially, which I was not always there, where I can go more often, which to me is just such a blessing. So she's, like, amazing and knows my entire story. So that's been huge. At
1: her suggestion, Shannon recently tried a different form of therapy called EMDR, or Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. We're not even going to try to describe it in any detail at the time we have, but there is a lot of information available online, of course, if you're curious, or you can always talk to a professional about it. But essentially, EMDR is used to heal the mind from psychological trauma, much as the body recovers from physical trauma. We spoke two days after Shannon's first session, and she was excited and filled with hope.
2: And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to try it, but I don't think it will work. And I was completely blown away.
1: With her therapist, Shannon selected the specific traumatic experience she wanted to process and heal from. The therapist asked her for a word to describe how she felt about herself during that experience.
2: And my word was stupid. I felt stupid, um, like an idiot. In my mind, like, that's how I picture myself in this experience. And with that, they began. And the whole thing with the EMDR is your eye movement. And my understanding of it is you, it kind of puts you in that REM sleep phase where you're processing, your brain is processing it, and it's not like you're in hypnosis or a trance or anything like that. You're awake. And she just said, what does your body feel like? What are you thinking? What images are you having? If there's any sensations, anything like that. It was crazy. I just started like, my eyes are closed and I just had like tears streaming down my face.
1: Shannon says they went through and processed the memories and feelings that had come up for her.
2: Then she said, okay, we're going to do it again. But now what do you want yourself to feel during that moment? Like what, what do you want to think about yourself? So I said, well, that I'm the opposite. Basically I'm smart, capable, able woman, strong. So she said, okay, so now keep those words in your head and we're going to process it again. And when we did it that way, it was very, very, it was so different. Like I noticed all these different things in the room but the person that this experience was with wasn't even in there which is good. Shannon describes the experience as unsticking
1: the traumatic memory from your brain so you can let it go and put
2: it to rest. When we finished, I it, it's still weird to me. Like I felt like the hugest sense of relief. I felt like good about myself and I literally had, like, the best afternoon ever, like, such a good day. This week, I've just been in a good mood, like, happy. And then I had my normal talk therapy yesterday and was talking to her about it. And she said, you're going to continue to notice improvements. I'm still skeptical of it, but, oh, my gosh. Shannon says in that single session, her relationship to that traumatic memory changed. But it was weird, and, like, it's weird now because, like, when I'm thinking about that memory, before when I've thought about it, you know, it, it makes me feel uh inside, and I don't—it's not good, and it keeps coming up. Where now, like, the last couple days, I'll think about it and be like, okay, it, it's not bothering me. Like, it's—it was a memory, but it's, it's okay. Remember, Shannon
1: is describing
2: only her own experience. There
1: are, as you would expect, a great number of factors that influence the success of any therapy. And most of the material we've seen says EMDR is typically delivered one or two times a week for an average of 6 to 12 sessions.
2: Anyway, it may be something to look into for yourself. It may not be. Ooh, something else I wanted to say, too, is, like, talking about therapy, it wasn't always an option for me financially. to to go to therapy. And I know there's a lot of people in that same boat. There are so many resources that are free. Um, You just kind of have to, you know, dig a little and find some things, but podcasts have been my go-to. And uh, even my therapist says, yeah, keep doing that. Keep doing that. You find the ones you like and that are meaningful. And, And it does also gives you, again, it's another way to have that sense of not being alone. So that alone, you listen to one episode and you're like, Oh, okay. I'm not alone. Cause there's two people in that episode that have similar, you know, feelings and, um, deal with similar things.
0: I love it when she said that her relationship to that specific traumatic memory changed cause that's just so ginormous. You know, it allows her to reclaim some of her energy and her power. And by shifting her lens, she's really reprogramming her reality. And I think there's lots of ways to do that. But, you know, EMDRs is one that does that as well.
1: Yeah, loosening its grip on us, right? The same as we're trying to do with depression to just sort of pry its fingers off of us and say, give, you know, geez, you know,
0: leave me alone. Let me live my life. I like that. Pry your fingers off. Yes. And I like that she says it's healthy to talk about it and that people thanked her for talking about it. That's so contrary to how you feel before you dig in deep and find the strength to tell people. You know, ask for help even when it's hard. It's the bottom line. We posted, uh, someone asked us for help and we posted it on our Facebook
1: community page last weekend. And a number of the people offering support talked to the person about how brave they were to ask for help, how brave they were to reach out. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, oh, I hope other people are also reading that and seeing it because we've, many of us, been basically programmed to think, if you can't do it yourself, there's something wrong with you, you're weak. And so I really like reframing that and just reminding people that it is not easy to ask for help, but it is also not easy to live with depression. And sometimes you just can't do it alone, like anything else that's hard. You know, you just say, I'm moving this couch and it's heavy, could you help me? You know, depression is heavy, and sometimes we need help.
0: Yes. And sometimes the first person we ask, you know, didn't respond in a way that we found helpful. So we have to find the courage to ask in another way or to a different person. Just keep trying until you find something that helps.
1: Thank you, Shannon. We appreciate you sharing your story or experience and your wisdom with us over these last two weeks.
0: Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Bridge.